Welcome. It's Soul Practice, Raw Conversations, Real Practices. I'm Phyllis Mathis. And I'm Kathy Escobar. And today's episode is just me and Phyllis. Yay! We watch this for it. We love having guests. It's super fun, but we have to do it on Zoom um, because of sound and stuff. And so um, we just like in person, like a little bit. Yeah. And so this is like the good old days today. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a beautiful day in Colorado today. We walked around the lake with Raina. We have our exact routine <laughs> that we do every time. And we're coming to the end of this season. And it has been awesome. Yeah. We've had some incredible conversations. We really have. And, you know, I just want to name this. that We know that every single one of them could be like a whole long series, honestly. Mm-hmm all of them. And that's just not what we're doing here. You know, it's okay to say. And so, but as we think about the fall um, of 2023, we we do want to revisit some of the conversations and um, keep expanding on them and keep circling around certain topics for sure. Um, But today we're going to talk about a topic that really is, to be honest, we can pretty much every conversation mm-hmm. that we have. And we're going to talk about internalized misogyny. Yeah. Okay. So this phrase, and I think we said it somewhere in one of the episodes, I can't remember which one, but um, Reagan Bird, who is an uh, organizational consultant here in Denver, this amazing, uh, powerful black leader who really is like stirs the pot for mm-hmm. organizations. And so um, Reagan came, she's done a couple things for the refuge. It's been a few years now. Um, one on allyship, um, that was sort of right after George Floyd. And, and then before then we did something on to- toxic masculinity because I had gone to something that she had done in Denver and that she just did these workshops. Um, uh, really everything was centered on toxic masculinity, and this reality that is embedded in our culture. She does a lot on history. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what that, how that really shows up. And so she came to the refuge. Were you there? No. And um, so we didn't record it or anything, but it was a fascinating, fascinating gathering. And it was amazing. She rocked it. She goes to the heart of it. She does not jack around. And um, so the funniest part of the story is that we are all done with everything. She opens it up for Q&A. And the very first Q&A is a white guy mansplaining. (laughs) (laughs) I will never forget it. You literally like couldn't tee it up any better. You're like, what is happening? There it is. He raised his hand. Yeah, he's like, you know, it's not exactly like that. Like, I wish that you could find a way to kind of say it in a way that wouldn't make me feel so defensive. I mean, that's basically what they said. (laughs) And she just handles it like in the most awesome way. She's like, you know, been there, done that, you know, cue it up. Here we go. Get ready. And, uh, but in the, there were a couple other really good questions. And uh, the, the question that really struck with me is, Somebody asked, you know, this is, we're talking about toxic masculinity and how it's embedded in our culture and in the room. There were men. There weren't enough men, though. I'm going to be honest. I mean, this is like a truth. There's always like way more women in the room. There were men there, and I appreciate that, but there should be more. Yeah. And, uh, but she said, so what is this like? 
women, it's not toxic masculinity for women. What is it? And Reagan said, women for women, it is healing from internalized misogyny. And um, that just got me. It got me. And it was in the Q&A. It was not a big part of the whole topic. But our work as women is to untangle from the reality that misogyny is embedded in our DNA. It's in our DNA. It's in our lineage. It's in our history. And it's everywhere around us. No matter how much movement women have made in the world and so that's what we're going to talk about today I'll I'll add something else later but yeah I'm trying to stay calm (laughs) (laughs) all I want to do is swear go ahead just let it rip and I don't even know where to start yeah um and so raging doesn't help very much um although it makes perfect sense but um I think that when we're talking about toxic masculinity and internalized misogyny, we have to set it into the context, the greater context of of systemic white supremacy, because it's it's in the system. It has it's one of the one of the components, and so everything has to sort of fit together, and it's if you're in a ladder society where some people have to be at the top. And then everybody who's not perceived as at the top has to be down some rungs. And then they're worried about being usurped from below and squished from the top. Then of course, everyone's in distress, but the whole system works in that, in that way It's brutal, it's toxic, it's nasty, but it gets shit done, you know, in, in certain ways, like you were telling me about an organization that you, you know, you, it's run by women. It's run by women, but, but it, according to toxic, yes, you know, rules. And it's highly successful. Rules, put it that way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So helps lots of people. And we just don't know any other way to do things. And I think it's about time that we started. But I, but with internalized misogyny, I just wanted to set it into the context because this it's not just men hating women. Yeah. It's a whole culture in which some people have more power, more uh, credibility, more authority than other people. And there's only so much power to go around. So we have to split it up and, you know, there's, there's this, this kind of ladder. So being, being a participant in the system as white women, let's just say white women, because that's what we are, we're in our little, we're in our little layer. <laughs> and so we, we have to broker our own survival and our own quote unquote success in a system that sucks. Yeah. And so of course there's, uh, you have to kind of um, collude with the values that are already internalized. So some women are better than others and how are they better than others? They're prettier, they're, they're slimmer, they're, more soft-spoken they're more what are they what are they you know all of these um internalized ideas of what women should be are all at play and most of them are not at all authentic or real to humanity and personhood 
Yeah. You know, it's all yeah. about finding your finding your place and holding mm-hmm. it in the structure that sucks and is killing us all. Yes. <laughs> and this is like the part as we talk about, you know, things of the soul. So the part is, is that underneath it all is this free, beloved, strong, powerful, vulnerable uh, essence. And that the soul killing part and the soul diminishing part, the soul obstacle part is all built by the stuff around us. And, um, and you know, in families and in uh, the wider system, it's both, it's, it's everywhere. For sure, religion, like all the things just make it hard to be true to who we really are. And so for me, the internalized misogyny part, I'm like, I am so good at it. <laughs> Literally, I am so good at it. And it makes me sick. It makes me sick. And, you know, as I get to be an older person in the world, which really needs to change. I mean, I'm only 55. It's not that old. And so I'm trying to change some of that language a little bit because I hear it around me all the time. We're getting so old. We're getting so old. I'm like, it's not that old. And, you know, we're not diminished. That isn't, that is a, um, a white supremacy kind of hierarchical culture, especially for women, women aging, mm-hmm. you know, we are diminished great, you know, silver foxes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a guy can go great right away. And then he's distinguished. And that on our end, Oh, she looks old. And so, you know, all of the things that are in there for me, and for sure, the um, good Christian, good girl, nice girl, team player, don't rock the boat too much, you know, be nice enough, build bridges, that's all in there. And honestly, it works. And that is what is so sick. And Jose and I were actually just talking about this this past week, because we were together all week for, um, I went, I flew on a trip with him and then um, we had a few days by ourselves down in, um, at the beach. And, um, he was just like, yeah, Kath, if you could have like, just like sold your soul just a little bit more, you could have made a lot of fucking money. <laughs> <laughs> you could have tried harder, Kathy. <laughs> you could have. And he's right though. Yeah. What got me, what got me, I mean, I was in the Christian system is that what got me is that once I started like disrupting it and actually talking about the downward race of Jesus, truth and authenticity of real story. And what's my line? Patriarchy. What's my line, Kathy? <laughs> Nobody wants that shit, Kathy. <laughs> it's true. Nobody wants that shit. And so, um, but I think I guess what I say is nobody wants that shit. The systems don't yeah. want that shit, but our souls yeah. want that oh, shit. They need it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking about a couple of things. So there's so much to say here. And so much in this, we're not just talking about women's bodies. We're talking about, because there are a lot of, a lot of people who have traditional, I don't even know how to say this, but like feminine concepts or anything that's not uh, toxic masculine is look down on so you could be a man and have that those values those characteristics you could be a trans man a trans woman you could be non-binary you could be 
whatever. And it's that not playing, opting out of the system that puts you in a sense at risk Mm -hmm. and in the, in the minority. And there's, there's just so much disparity around, um, connection and nurturing and sharing power and um, thinking about the whole instead of, you know, the ladder and climbing the ladder, you know, all of those things. So I just want to say that first. So we're not just talking about men against women. We're talking about a whole set of humanity, a whole half of, at least of humanity that doesn't get um, expressed because it doesn't do them any favors, you know, it doesn't do us any favors unless we're we're sidling up to power so that we can survive or live a nicer life or get some of the goodies that people who are in power get. Yeah. You know, so I'm so glad you're naming this. This is super important. Um, that was on my heart too. It's just to make sure that everybody listening, because it affects all of us. And it's across everything, every person really, it doesn't matter how we identify or what um, what we're living out. It's just, it affects all of us. It's just that we're two white women yep. that are talking about yep. it. And so much of it is unconscious. And we were raised in the, in the system, you know, to be, to be nice, to be good, to be not too pushy, not too outspoken not too large. That was always my problem. I was always too big for everything. Um, and, and to find a little niche where you could do what you needed to do, whether it's raise your family or hold the job or get by. Um, so all of those things are unconscious about how do women's voices sound compared to men's voices. I've had a couple of conversations with a man I know who, who is like, I just can't stand her voice. And I just lose my shit because I'm like, how did (laughs) it? It's Siri gets to be female, Mm -hmm. but any politician has to do voice coaching training because Mm -hmm. we don't want, because women's voices, when they get stronger, tend to go higher. And then it sounds shrill. Mm or it sounds off or wrong and it gets tuned out. Oh, here's the thing. That's, I knew there was a story I wanted to tell. So last uh, weekend, we, I went for a bike ride with Ted and we like to ride in golden, which is always a mistake to do on the weekends because, you know, it's just so many there, but the ride is so beautiful. And um, he, we kind of do it so that I lead because I set the pace, which is a little slower. So when you're riding your bike on a, on a shared uh, trail, it's your responsibility to announce your presence. So you say two bikes passing on the left. That's what I always try to say. Two bikes on your left, two bikes on your left. Well, on the weekends in Golden, the white men are out with their families and they're walking three and four across this path <laughs> that's made, you can only do four people across. Um, and that's pretty squishy. So when you're trying to get around them, it's, it's tricky. And so I'm like, two bikes are passing on your left, two bikes on your <laughs> left. And I'm, I'm going about eight miles an hour by now. So this is kind of fast. And I, and I just assumed they were going to hear me mm. and scoot over a little bit, but there's no room for me. So I'm like, yeah. eight. <laughs> 
lights on your left. I start yelling at them. And then they're like, oh, and then I get the sting guy. And so this happened a couple of times. And I'm like, all right, you're leading because no one's paying attention to me. Mm. It's not that my voice doesn't carry, which it kind of doesn't. It's kind of got, got a softer timbre. But but if I'm yelling right in their ear and they're still ignoring me, what is that about? Uh-huh. And finally it hit me. I said, Ted, people don't hear women's voices. Mm. They just, they're just tuned out without even thinking about them. They don't even hear them. And I was, <laughs> so, and he's like, no, I get it. So then he just does it. His voice carries and it's, you know, got authority and people politely move over and we say, thank you. Uh, Bill, <laughs> it makes me want, <laughs> want to carry a stick. I'm so <laughs> mad. Yeah. It's like having it in your right hand. And, or dude. <laughs> You know, I'm just, I get so mad. Then I, you know, I don't want to be one of those people, but uh. yeah. But then this is what's so hard is that this is exactly it. Is that, you know, um, uh, what is it? I think I, I don't, it wasn't Parker Palmer who said it, but I, I think he recorded, you know, violence is the language of the unheard. And there <laughs> is this thing that like, that is a piece of just like, come freaking on and it's exhausting and so I do want to just name that that it is exhausting but the part for me that I am really struck with and in a lot of conversations is that this is my work this is my work and as shitty as it is and as much as it pisses me off about the system ultimately the only thing I can for sure focus on is my work and my response and my willingness to pay a cost for integrity. And it's hard. I just want to say, like, it's hard. And it, it has cost me professionally in um, certain ways. Totally worth it. I'm grateful for it. Um, but what it creates, what internalized misogyny creates, and this is the part that I'm healing from, I'll probably be healing my whole life from this, is that this feeling of just never measuring up like that too much or not enough. Mm-hmm. And that little dilemma of just feeling too much or not enough at the same time, all the time. And I think that that is what internalized misogyny does to us because it creates. So if you are louder and more aggressive, then you're too much. Then if you try and just be respectfully, whatever, then it doesn't do anything you and you're not. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like always living in this tension. And, you know, I want to say also, you know, it's easy to go, well, this is why people, you know, go off the grid, go out of all the systems, you know, find their peace, but that's not going to be my life. I'm going to live in this system. And so kind of in the same way as the 12 steps for anti-racism work, um, we're excited to have Melvin Bray with us yeah. um, next episode. This will be a really good conversation because he's the author of the 12 steps, truth and transformation model that we use. We've talked about here a couple of different times and ways um, and that that path of I have got to untangle from this shit and practice a better way. And it does start with acknowledging it. And, um, and really acknowledging just how deep it is and how ultimately afraid I am of letting it all the way go because of the cost that it is. 
because, you know, again, going back to like, I've gotten somewhere in the world by playing, looking a certain way, talking a certain way, hating a certain way, those kinds of things. And it, it's sometimes hard to distinguish what is actually just me <laughs> and what is what was built into me mm-hmm. because um, of the systems and surviving in the systems. And that's, you know, this ongoing healing work. But I can't change the thing around me unless I start changing myself in it. And I hate it. You know, I hate it for my kids. I hate it for all the people that I'm with because I know the cost. And I've seen it. I see it every week. I see someone else bombing out of their job in misogynist, you know, mainly Christian systems because that's a lot of the um, systems that I'm connected to, but not all. Um, and just like, gosh, it, the, the, the push against it in even the smallest ways of just showing up with more clear action, more clear words creates these clear costs. Mm-hmm. And my friend, Amber, um, she just came to uh, de-churchifying, which is something that I do every quarter on Zoom, kind of an interactive thing that's related to untangling from some of this stuff for people who have faith deconstruction. And she came and shared. And as I was listening and we were all talking, about it, it was called clear actions, clear words, clear actions, clear class. Wow. And she is so good about articulating this. It's so good. But the pain, and as we were having the conversation and listening, is that, yeah, clear actions and clear words are really good. We're learning how to do it. But just to honor, there are clear costs. And this is what I don't like, but I want to honor so that we can support each other in the cost. And sometimes, I mean, honestly, it's divorces, it's jobs, it's estranged from parents, it's you know, lawsuit, it's a lot of things sometimes because there is a cost to healing from internalized misogyny and getting more clear. I hate it. Well, as you're talking, I'm thinking about all the women, all the single, either never married or divorced women that we know in their 50s who started waking up in their marriages or whatever ended their marriages. And now here they are in their 50s thinking, what the hell is going to happen to me now? And they couldn't sell their souls anymore to a relationship that didn't work. But do you know what it's like for women in their 50s dating? Mm. Oh my gosh. It's so egregious. Uh, The stories that I hear about the profiles and the men that are out there looking for people, even those who deign to date women in their 50s. So it just... It, it magnifies this whole culture of youth and beauty and submission. And, you know, they want somebody to come and prop their lives up for the rest of their lives, you know? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So dating then gets really tricky because who's looking for an actual partner to live out the lives they already have together in some equal sort of way. This many zero zero. I would love to hear a different story. And I thought I heard some better stories, but I didn't. So now we have uh, women that you and I both know that are just stellar, intelligent, uh, successful, creative. Yes. Just the, the cream st- of the crop. Strong, strong women who are probably going to have to figure out how to live the rest of their lives by themselves yeah. because they're not marketable. They're not. Um, 
and and we cover my history where women were put up for sale. So I just think just think about all the Austin uh, Jane Austen mm. stories, all yeah. of the Bridgerton, yeah. all of the uh, the things we love to watch, where young girls are dressed up and they do their season where they have to attract somebody who's willing to practically buy them or you have, you sell them. So you have a dowry that you give when you sell your daughter and then they, they have zero rights. They can own zero property. Any, any wealth that they have goes straight to the man yeah. because this was the patriarchal society that is in our DNA and our nervous systems now. And so Women just got the vote in the early 1900s here in the U.S. And black women didn't get it until how many decades in after the 60s, that? Was yeah, the 60s. Yeah. Like what the actual fuck? Yeah. Like that's just like, and we and we don't. It's only looking back that we're like, what is that about? Yeah. Because we were so inured in it growing up. So we, and we're spending our time being distracted by how to get more goodies from the system that we're in. This is what is so painful. And I just want to name something. Like I said something when you were talking that I want to take back. This is, I said, oh, they're the cream of the crap. Okay. So that's a, that's a, like a little ism. It's not that big of a deal. It feels benign, but there is a piece that it fits in this conversation. Well. And the way it fits in the conversation is that, yeah, so our friends, I mean, they are, they're stellar, they're amazing, you know, but so is everybody. And this is a little piece. Yeah. And so we rank, and it's okay. I mean, everyone gets what I'm talking about, but I want to just name that it's in everything. Yeah. It's like there's levels, uh, there's levels of what's the most valuable, of course, people who are most connected to us, we're going to have the most invested in. But the truth is, is that this is also a piece. It makes me think of this um, podcast that I listened to. Uh, it was Glennon Doyle um, podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. And I don't listen to it all the time, but sometimes I do. It's really, it's got some good stuff in it. And my friend Debbie told me about the one on pro-aging. And they have, they were interviewing the author. I can't remember her name at all, but it was, the book is called The Chair Still Rocks. And it was about aging. So good. It's a keeper. And I actually really want everybody to listen to it um, because it really hits to the heart of this, actually, especially for anybody aging, not just women, because of the um, emphasis on basically youth and the, it's more valuable. And what she talks about in there is that we rank, oh, she doesn't, she looks young. She looks so young for her age. Mm -hmm. And that that is like cream of the crop. It puts in the same category. So we're ranking people. And then she talks about how the truth is, it's like people age differently. It's as unique as anything. It's as unique as humans are unique from each other and our fingerprints are different. But we put it all in the same both. And so we value these people that actually are acting youthful by our measures or look youthful. And then they're better. What does that say to somebody that just genetically, they just age differently. And so anyway, I just well, want to track it's all based on uh, our worth is determined by how appealing we are to men. Yes, ultimately. And that is eternalized misogyny at its heart. 
And professionally, I think everybody who's listening and can feel this, and especially people who identify as male out there who are wrestling because they don't have some of the characteristics of toxic masculinity that get men further. So this again affects all of us. But for women, that basically like if we do not play the way that the male dominated patriarchal hierarchical culture wants us to, there's a cost. And that sucks because they're amazing leaders and cultivators and healers and amazing people that are supposed to. And this is again, men too, like this kindest, most humble, most healthy guys that I know have not made it in the system. But then the toxic fucking narcissists make yeah. it to the top because it buried us. Yeah. And um, ultimately, we are talking about this today, talking about the presidential election and all these realities because it's got the same thing is that embedded in us is this hero, king, strong, authority. Presidential. Yes. Um, so this is what we're leading over. <laughs> are we done? Um, <laughs> no, I don't <laughs> We don't, we don't promise it the answer. The whole system sucks. It sucks and it needs to be torn down from within. It does. And so, no. Long kind of the revolution. <laughs> but the truth is, as we begin to transition out, I mean, I just want to kind of come back to you. Ain't nobody going to do this work for us. And we can't expect people to hand their power over. Yeah. That yeah. will haunt me. And I wish mm -hmm. I had the quote but yeah uh, i know it came from melvin bray when i was standing in the room with him looking at something at the at the voting rights museum and he said power isn't given up it needs to be they need to be forced okay they're not going to give up power willingly yeah. they need to be forced to give up their power and so these are these are societal things mm -hmm. and we're not going to run out there and look at every man and say, give up your yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's, that's kind of dumb, but, uh, but it is a thing where personal responsibility, what is our actual work and how do we do that in the, in the context that we have in our life, mm -hmm. in our lives. And a big part of that is really, becoming aware of this internalized misogyny, the rules that we're playing by, the, the standards by which we judge ourselves and we judge each other <clears throat> and what we're actually looking for and what we, what we like and what we don't like, yeah. you know, including our public figures. And um, because one part of internalized misogyny is this desire to have a strong man lead us. Yep. Yep. This is why, like, for me, I mean, I'm just going to name it because I, everyone knows this, but I just always need to say it. I'm like, Donald Trump beat Hillary Clinton and didn't really, but did. Like, what the actual fuck on that? Yeah. Really? And I mean, and I know 100%, not 100%, a, a chunk of us are going, Hil but Hillary, like, Hillary, if Hillary had done this, and I'm one of them, so I confess, I, I am not, I'm going to be honest about this. Her likability factor was low. Yes, and so, and I get that, but that is the shit, that's probably one of the most, like, illuminated things that is, like, shows the whole thing, and we see it now. 
there are so many qualified women. And we are so behind, like most other countries at this stage have had female presidents and prime ministers. And we are we are still a long ways off from that. And, you know, and same thing, you take our current vice president. Like, it's just like, that is really sick. So we can't win with that. Right. And I think it's pretty well accepted. No yeah. woman will win yeah. this cycle. No. That's so uh, even if we had a choice, yeah. which we don't. Yeah. But it. It's like the condition we are in right now, it has been so out of control that we've lost um, whatever hope we had to have a different gender in the Oval Office yeah. for a while. Yeah. And I just, well, I'm going to name again and again, I am guilty of it. It's not all happening around me and I'm so da 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 da. Like, I have those thoughts about Hillary. I have these things about me. I have these things in watching sometimes when I watch people like get what they want. And it's really, it's really, really fascinating. And it makes me really sad. And it also makes me go, I don't want to, I want to keep untangling from it. And that's really what this looks like, I think, is that, and that's what Regenberg was saying is that it our work is to untangle from internalized misogyny and it's in across genders it's there and um that we've got to start by really real and we're most people i know that are listening like we're all in it like no one's like beginning this for the most part we're all in it but we need to keep at it and just recognize and have a gentleness to what's going on like it's non-reflexive or it's reflexive it's like in us it's a reflex we don't we don't have control over it it is that you know we are kind of powerless over the system this is melbourne's first step we're we are powerless over the things of our history and what was but we're not powerless to do something different we have power to do something different and that power starts with us using our true power Okay. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. Um, so as we wrap up, ah, thoughts for the soul related to internal internal misogyny. I'm not sure. I'm like, <laughs> I'm still pissed. So it's hard to be soulful when you're so angry. The soul can be mad. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I think it's probably true that um so I'm thinking of this quote from David White that says, um, start close in mm. and that mm. um, our soul is always there. It's a, that's like a fire burning. That's, that's only asking for, uh, for us to listen mm. and to become aware of the things that keep us from listening because everything that we need is already within us. And that's your soul power actually so mm. that's the best I got today I love it I love it um yeah on the practice side I think the biggest thing is maybe just already been said maybe just really noticing that dissonance inside like creating enough room to go yeah I am afraid mm. notice where we're afraid we're afraid to stand up. We're afraid to say what we mean. 
we're afraid to step into our power in some way. We're afraid, like we feel it. So noticing the fear. And I think the practice, I'm not going to say, then just go do it. I'm going to say, actually, be like practice being honest about what we're actually really afraid of and beginning to like honor that. I think helps us begin to consider how we can move forward and use our voice and step into and all those if we can really name what we're actually afraid of. So I'm going to try and practice that more this week. I worked on it a little bit in another situation and it was hard. It was hard to see that what I was really afraid of is losing relationship and you know, living with that cost of being blamed for something and, you know, people thinking bad of me, which are like all my core shit. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> um, and so that's the practice. Um, thanks for listening. We love having these conversations. We always love it when you message us and say, oh, this is what's stirred up for me. And so thanks for doing that. And yeah, we're glad you listened.